0: to Explore. I'm Leda and this is the regular podcast from the University of Exeter's student communications team. In each episode we explore a different topic with students, staff and alumni which reflects the richness of life within our global community. In this episode we talk to Nicola Sinclair, Head of Widening Participation, and first year student Harry Hayes about how the university is making sure that students from all backgrounds are able to succeed here. Hi Nicola, thank you ever so much for being with us. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me along today. So Nicola, you're Head of Widening Participation. Can you just start by telling us
1: a little bit about what that means? Well, my role is uh, about supporting the university in making itself more diverse. So welcoming students from all backgrounds to study at the university and also succeed here. So. It's quite a broad job. It means working with schools and out in the community to support students enter higher education. But then also my role covers work within the universities, working with colleagues who are here to support students once they arrive to make sure that they're able to continue their studies and go on to good outcomes. Our work is very much about working with pupils within schools to... I suppose, break down some of the barriers in terms of knowledge, so informing them what their options might be, the role that universities like Exeter might play, but then also uh, working with students to support their journey into higher education, whether that's uh, supporting them in terms of the skills that they might develop, helping them negotiate the application process, There are a number of hurdles to be overcome, and and, um, we we adapt the type of programmes and work that we do with pupils to to address a a number of those barriers along the way. So what sorts of things are we
0: doing to support access into higher education?
1: The first thing that we're doing is is working with schools. We work with schools right across the country, as well as within the um, south-west. To provide a range of support that includes uh, information, advice, and guidance. So we'll go in and speak to students and provide them with information. We'll have our own student ambassadors. We'll we'll go in and and talk to students about what it's like to be in university and and the opportunities that that opens up. We also work with specific schools, perhaps because of their demographics. So they might be uh, located in areas of high deprivation, for example. And we may offer particular support for those schools in negotiation with the schools, and that could involve um, work to support the curriculum. So we might have our PhD students or academic colleagues uh, running workshops and sessions, um, perhaps related to particular disciplines within the the curriculum. And we also have an education partnership scheme where um, we work with very particular schools and um, offer a a broader programme of support. And that might be working with um, pupils of a range of ages, but also providing continuous professional development and other support for higher education advisors and teachers. We also run a number of fair access programmes. The Exeter Scholars programme, which is our flagship programme. Um, which uh, works with a cohort of students over a period of time and that may be over a number of years um, to uh, support them in terms of making their choices about their future whether that's going on to university learning about university life and so on. We also work with partners uh, like Realising Opportunities which is a a, another fair access uh, scheme but run in partnership with uh, other Russell Group institutions or with working with partners such as into university who uh, have a number of centres throughout the country. And they work with local communities and support learners from a very young age, from primary upwards, to support them in terms of their academic achievement, but also supporting them in in terms of making choices and and going on into um, uh, higher education. So when you talk about fair access,
0: what, what do you mean by that?
1: that means around supporting students who are typically underrepresented in higher education so there's plenty of research which shows that students from um, particular backgrounds and particular context um, are not going into higher education at the same rate as their peers whether that's because of socioeconomic reasons whether it's because they've been in care whether it's because they're mature learners for example there might be a whole range of reasons and so our fair access programmes are tailored support and programme of activities to encourage those students to think about what their options might be and about whether higher education is a a right choice for them because it it won't be for all students. Um, And then also then to support them in a very structured way in terms of the journey they make towards higher education in terms of making their choices, learning about university life, thinking about their subjects and then onward to to apply so to give you an example for our extra scholars program for example any one time we're working with around a thousand students um, across a number of age groups many of those are within our uh, local region within the southwest but we also have a national strand of the scholars program um, as well and once those scholars uh, complete their course um, and their programme, if they decide that they're going to apply to the University of Exeter, then they also um, are able to benefit from a range of support from receiving a contextual offer. And that's um, essentially us looking at their personal circumstances and um, giving them uh, an offer based on, on that basis, which may be a little bit lower than the published offer. Um, But also supporting them through uh, the opportunity to gain scholarships, to uh, get paid work um, internships, to uh, receive bespoke employability advice, uh, well-being support and a range of other uh, practical and pastoral benefits once they're at university um, to give them every chance, essentially, to succeed once they're here. So you mentioned contextual
0: offers. What are they and and why are they necessary?
1: Yeah, contextual offers um, is within our admissions policy is we consider the personal context of students when they apply to us when we make them an offer. So if you look in our prospectus and you might see uh, want to join one of our programmes and you see the typical offer might be three A's, for example. Now, for some students, achieving those three A's is going to be really, really difficult, and that's not necessarily because they don't have the same talent or potential um, as those students who are achieving the three A's. Part of the reason might be their 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 background or their schooling. So, for example, there's plenty of research evidence out there which um, shows that if you um, go to an independent school, for example, um, you have roughly around three times as, as much spent on your education than if you go to a state school. Um, and also, just by the nature of the school that you go to, with no other factors taken into account at all, then you're, you are going to get better grades, and that might be my, by, by one or two grades. So then when you throw in other things like your background, whether your parents have been to higher education, whether you're you're going to a well-performing school, um, whether you have caring responsibilities. So by the time you throw in all those personal circumstances as well, those are also going to affect the the grades that you get. So contextual offers are about recognising that and making an offer which attempts to to mitigate around that. So recognises your potential and uh, and, and supports you to, to enter the university. That's
0: fabulous. So, so sort of accessing higher education isn't just about ability then, there's other challenges, financial barriers, different family situations. What are we doing to help people financially to access the university?
1: Uh, that's a very good question because um, finance can be a barrier for some students. The university offers the access to Exeter Bursary, And that's available for all our home-paying undergraduate students whose household incomes are below £25,000 a year. And that's something that the students don't have to apply for. That's awarded automatically on the basis of the information that is shared with the university through the um, student funding bodies. We also have extensive hardship provisions, so students who are struggling Paying their bills, or or they've encountered um, an unexpected financial situation, they can apply for for help with that. But we also have um, bursaries to support students with IT provision, for example. So students who might join us don't necessarily um, have a laptop, and um, we have bursary provision for those students as well to enable them to get kitted up so they're they're ready for their studies. And we also have um, other specific Support for um, those students who uh, suspect they might have a learning disability and therefore need some help in terms of uh, getting a, a an assessment. So there's a wide range of, of financial support out there to to support students into higher education with University of Exeter, but also to support them once they're here.
0: What is what can a student who's perhaps come through a, a Exeter Scholars scheme? What sort of support might they expect to get? when they're with us at, at the University of Exeter?
1: It, it varies depending on circumstances, as you would expect. The university is probably one of the, the, the leading universities in terms of our, our care and support for care leavers, for example. We know that care leavers face all kinds of barriers because of their circumstances. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been in care in the first place. And that affects their schooling, the support they have available to them. Um, So getting to university for those students is is often a massive challenge. Uh, We waive our tuition fees for those students. We provide specific bursary support. They have a personal point of contact within the university. So they've got somebody that they can go to who makes sure that the support that they're receiving is joined up. They, we have a, a range of support that they can draw down, whether that's internships, employability support, academic skills support, or very importantly, of course, is pastoral support. So that, that's one example, I suppose, of a group of students who, are, who are, receive most support from the university, if you like. Students who've been on our extra Scholars programme, they will receive a, a range of support. Some of that is practical. So once they join us, that might be a voucher to use a supermarket when they come in or a, or a travel card, the option to have some practical support to just get them started when they join. We've awarded um, £2 million in, in scholarships through extra Scholars over the last three years. And uh, some of that is um, very specific linked to achievement. Uh, some of that might be related to the to a scholar's personal circumstances, for example. Those uh, scholars will also be able to access a range of specific schemes across the university, which are not just open to them but may be open to a range of students based on um, eligibility and, and whether they're particularly underrepresented. So, for example, the university has an excellent paid internship scheme, which is open to students who meet certain uh, widening participation criteria. But uh, the other point I think I'd I'd make really is that apart from the specific support available, is that the university's efforts to support all its students, but looking through the lens of diversity and inclusion, because really, if we can, get it you want to be able to get it right to make sure all students are fully supported that's an ongoing effort it's not just about okay we've got a program we've ticked that box it's really about having this embedded in terms of our approach all the way through in terms of the support and the educational provision that we have available. It's clear that that support then is is
0: all the way through the entire student experience right through into sort of helping them on in their career Why do you think it's important to the university to recruit people from a range of different backgrounds and contexts?
1: It's incredibly important for a number of reasons. Some of those are moral and ethical and learning and educational reasons. Some of them are are to do with legislation and and regulation. So firstly, in terms of diversity in education, really to have a, a rich educational environment he needs a variety of people. You don't want to be hearing the same voices. Diversity benefits education. Uh, and there are plenty of studies that actually shows that the, the you know, educational experience is, is much richer if you have people from a, a variety of backgrounds and experiences to be learning alongside each other. Uh, there's also the, the ethical reason. I mean, the university is absolutely committed to um, equality, diversity and inclusion. This is really part of an inclusion agenda. The range of students who we're supporting and working with are are not just underrepresented because they might live in a particular postcode, for example, where where students don't tend to go on to higher education, but it might be because of their ethnicity, it might be because of other protected characteristics, but it's very much part of that whole effort on the part of university to be an inclusive space which welcomes everybody. And then finally, a key point is 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 the regulatory requirement for higher education institutions to, to exist, to be able to be registered and to be able to operate, then we have to make a commitment to um, access and, and participation. Uh, and that's part of our commitment and we're monitored on our performance and uh, how we're closing gaps, whether that's in terms of uh, access for students, Or it might be in terms of how students are performing once they're within a university, depending on uh, university context. So there's a whole range of reasons why it's important for us to do it. And and it really has been um, a big commitment for Exeter for, for a number of years. Thank you, Nicola. We're also
0: joined today by Harry, one of our students who took part in our Exeter Scholars Scheme. Hi, Harry. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So you're a first-year nursing student with us at Exeter?
2: Yes, that's correct.
0: So, Harry, did you always know that you wanted to go to university?
2: I did and I didn't. I I liked the idea of going to university, however, I didn't really know if it was ever for me as such. didn't know whether I'd fit in, whether I was academically capable of going to university, or if I'd cope with the university lifestyle that you see traditionally.
0: So how did the Exeter Scholar Scheme help you make that decision?
2: So the Exeter Scholar Scheme was an amazing opportunity. So I first got introduced to it on my first day of sixth form and I knew instantly, actually that'd be something I'd like to do, uh, you know, just to experience a little bit of what university lifestyle might be and what the teaching side would be like. And from that, I got to experience a range of different styles of learning that I would not been exposed to. So seminars, lectures, uh, almost a conference style day that we had, uh, one of the sessions was for, and I really walked away from that knowing I liked that university lifestyle, I liked being able to engage with the academics, not just a teacher and a textbook, but actually the people who would write the textbook could learn the knowledge because they were at the forefront of it.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting difference, isn't it, between, between school and higher education? Yeah, so it's interesting that you, that you were able to get an experience of that and know that that would work for you. Yeah. Were there any particular challenges um, that you thought might prevent you from having higher education experience?
2: So I was diagnosed at probably around about the age of 10 with high-functioning autism and ADHD, and I was also diagnosed with dyslexia throughout my childhood. So I really have difficulties in certain social situations, especially growing up, uh, less so now as I've got older. And also with the academic side, I uh, spelling, grammar, reading through work, understanding uh, literature, what I'm reading is a little bit much of a challenge compared to some other people. I skim read a lot. So I skip words in a sentence and don't always get the right meaning from pieces of text that I'm reading compared to what someone else would who doesn't need to skim read.
0: And since you've joined us on your course, um, how are you finding it? Are, Are you getting the support you need from the university?
2: So yeah, since starting my course I found that I am able to actually keep up more than I thought I would maybe back when I first looked at the scholars. So my pieces of academic writing have been good because I take the time and I make sure that I do the Uh, the spell checking and the grammar and the reading through the extra little steps that I need to take to ensure that it is a standard I want and leave myself time for it. But if I didn't leave myself that time, it probably wouldn't. The university's been wonderful. They've allowed me to have, you know, extra time if I need it on coursework. They've They've introduced my LIP, which is like a learning plan to ensure that markers are aware that the piece of text they're reading, it's written by someone with dyslexia or written with someone who needs you know just those fine if there are small spelling mistakes they can't then penalize me for it whereas they might for certain other students at that level
0: okay so kind of leveling the playing field for you then really by um yeah by adding in those extra interventions you've also i understand been awarded a scholarship what difference has that made to your experience here
2: that has made an amazing difference and it was a complete shock i didn't put myself forward for it i didn't And realized that being through the scholars that I would have the opportunity to have a scholarship and I got a random phone call one day just saying you know would you like a scholarship in the name of the last vice chancellor Uh, and I said yes and that's allowed me to pursue my studies and also you know put some money forward towards the extra things I need to make sure I've got a laptop that can support the software I need to make sure that I don't have to worry about working alongside my studies unless I want to to give me those extra that extra time i need to just slow my work down slow down my note-taking process because one thing i didn't really anticipate was uh with like our pre-recorded lectures that we have they might take me say the session is 30 minutes it might take me up to two hours to write up the notes for that at the in a pace that's legible and appropriate for me compared to someone else who could do it in those 30 minutes
0: that's great then so just having that that sort of extra funding means that you can really focus on your studies rather than having to um, think too much about other distractions. Yeah. So going back, can you tell me how you first got involved with Exeter Scholars?
2: So, I, so on the, the, I can actually remember the day. It was quite a really nice sunny day in September. They came into my sixth form on the first day of term when I was starting my A-level. So like you're starting your A-levels, you're talking about all these new different ways of learning and And also you're starting to be introduced to the idea that at the end of these two years you're either going to have to go off into the world and find a job or you're going to have to find a university place to go to and didn't really know what to wanted to do a hundred percent and a lady came in from the Exeter university and was talking about uh this opportunity as scholars to come into the university to if you were eligible to have opportunity to experience being in one of the departments and just learn from the academics and the PhD students and even the other university students to see whether or not university life was for you or not.
0: So at that time, did you get to come and visit the university and sit in on lectures and, and get the full experience? What what did that involve for you?
2: To begin with, it was like a, a, this uh, one day on a, on a Saturday where you came in and you got told a, bit, a full about the programme and you also got to meet the other people who had been accepted onto your strand and I was with the business school for it in the economics department because it was a subject I'd never uh, experienced before. And I just wanted to learn a bit more about it. You know, I liked that kind of the fact they used maths and social sciences together and really got to meet some of the lecturers. And then I got sessions where I was in a seminar style environment where we were going through problems and learning the basics of economic theory and others where we were talking with I had a day with a PhD researcher who was looking into behavioural economics and they talked us through what that actually was, how we think, why we do decision-making, something that even really interests me now as a nurse because quite a lot of what I look at is why does someone make the decision about their care or about the health that they have? And you can really see the interdisciplinary style when you've looked at lots of different subjects that way. And then I also remember that we went and down to Cornwall for a weekend, which was lovely, where we spent two days down in the Penryn campus with the university, seeing what it was like to be in halls, uh, seeing what it was like to take lectures during the day. And we all got to go out at night onto the, into Penryn with the university. And that sort of experience of just more the social side of how to be, you know, the social aspects of university that everyone looks forward to and talking with students in a more friendly environment than what we had done just There at the side of the lecture to help us out.
0: So, how would you say this? The Exeter Scholar Scheme has sort of changed your perception of the university experience.
2: So, after I finished the scholars and I finished my A levels, I did take a few years before I actually settled down on what course I wanted to do and whether or not actually I wanted to go to university. And I tried a few other things, but I kept thinking back to because I had those doubts still of you know would I be good enough at university? Would this Be the right thing for me still going forward and I always would come back to those thoughts of actually I had enjoyed the scholars scheme I loved being at Exeter University it was you know a nice environment to work in a nice place to work at and that sort of you know just those reminders of actually you were good enough to be on that scheme you were you enjoyed that style of teaching so go and do it.
0: That's fantastic and so what are your career plans now Harry for the future?
2: Well hopefully in four years time I get to join the the MNC registration which is so important for nurses and then going forward from that maybe moving into more of a advanced practice nursing role which would require more university study and learning to a higher level about the physiological and social aspects of being a nurse and supporting my patients.
0: It's really good to hear that that you're having such a good experience of university that you actually are already planning on what you can do next in your education, so um just to kind of finish up then, what would you say to any students who were thinking about applying for the Exeter Scholars scheme or considering whether or not they should go to university?
2: I think that if you get the opportunity to do it, apply to something like Exeter Scholars, do it and try it because it's for you. Looking at it, it's a couple of days of your first year availables. But in reality, looking back, it's some of my favourite memories of my year twelve. It was those opportunities. Yeah, maybe I missed a few lectures in class, but I actually learnt more on my extra scholars than I would have learnt in those lessons. And I think until you've experienced university teaching, you don't know whether or not it's for you. You can think, "Oh yeah, I'm going to cope. I'm going to thrive." But I know for a lot of people, they turn up in September on the first week and they have attend their first lecture and they're either hopelessly lost or they absolutely love it and they have to find within themselves you know is this for me if they're a bit lost whereas I found with the extra scholars I kind of knew what the lectures might be like I knew that actually yeah it'll be okay it's going to be a little bit fast-paced it's a different style of learning you can't ask as many questions directly to the lecturer you have to do it a bit later or you have to do it in a seminar but it's okay because your answer your questions will be answered or you can go look up the information and I think if you're wondering if universities for you It's always an amazing opportunity, and you get spend a couple of years of your life studying a subject that you're really enjoying it, and you get to make loads of new friends and explore different experiences that you might not have been able to before. And just to you know, sell my own subject, the world always needs more nurses. We always need more people in healthcare, social care, especially from diverse backgrounds. You know, nursing has a very big shortage of men at the moment, and it's something that is real shame because when you're on the wards as a man and you're helping other gentlemen they get to tell you things that they might not tell your female colleagues and people do enjoy having you on there and the same with different backgrounds like being neurodiverse or being from a black or ethnic minority background you get to relate to people on a different way than what you would if you weren't doing it and we weren't putting people into those positions to help others
0: that's something to think about you know everything can be improved by having a variety of people involved in it to get those different perspectives it really can um nicola we've talked a lot about what the university's doing um but personally for you
1: what is it that motivates you it's really about making an impact i have to say that this um has been the most rewarding role the most rewarding job that i've i've ever had and and that is because the ability to make a difference either in a small way in terms of the personal impact on a, on a student or in a larger way um is you know is really gratifying and just to give you a few examples of that i suppose i mean i was very much involved in setting up um uh, emergency support funds during covid and the hardship schemes which we've massively extended to make sure that um students in dire financial straits were able to access the support that they needed and uh, you know that's one example it may be a kind of extreme example but where you can see that an intervention that you have made has actually made a massive difference not only the well-being of particular students but their ability to carry on and study and also um, you know their their, their onward journey really and I also am very gratified to work with an amazing bunch of people. My team are so dedicated to supporting students, all students, but particularly those um, who perhaps haven't had the best chance in life, um, to help them succeed. Succeed, and and that's you know that's enormously satisfying to be working with you know bright, talented, dedicated people, um, and with the students themselves, of course. You know how how lucky are we to be working with such a diverse group of of students, um, so yeah, it's a very re- rewarding um, job in a very kind of selfish, personal way, but challenging as well. I imagine. Um,
0: is there something you've achieved that stands out for you? What What are you most proud of in the work that you've done here?
1: Um, I'm very proud of Exeter Scholars. Um, that was a, a new scheme when I uh, just after I started. I instigated a, a review of our our Fair access schemes and our outreach and extra scholars um, was the product of that um, it's uh, led by a member of my team uh, melissa ruddock and 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 also her team they're absolutely fantastic and uh, she did uh, the development work on it so i won't claim I won't claim credit for that um but to see that program grow. And be extended. I mean, last this year um, we welcomed 191 students into undergraduate study from Exeter from that program, which, I mean, not only has it significantly expanded the the impact, but also then the ongoing support for those students. You know, I'm I'm very proud of that. I think it's been a fantastic scheme, and it can just continues to to get better, um, which is wonderful to see. So you're also a director of the university's Centre for Social
0: Mobility. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and what that's aiming to achieve?
1: Yes, of course. Um yes, I'm the I'm the director um practice. It's my title at the Centre for Social Mobility and uh, my co-director, uh Professor Anna Mountford zimders is the director of research. And the aim of the centre really is about bringing Practitioners, so people like me who are doing the job, um, supporting widening participation and um, developing strategies to to support this agenda, but to work alongside um, academic colleagues to make sure that the work that we're doing is really embedded in the evidence, that's led by evidence, is supported through research, but also conversely, that researchers in this field are informed by practice so they're working in areas which um, are about real life scenarios which will their research will will hopefully have an impact in terms of um, supporting social mobility.
0: Can you give us a bit of a, a definition as to what you mean by social mobility for those
1: who wouldn't necessarily know? Well social mobility is really about opening up opportunities for everyone so everyone has an equal chance to succeed so if we think about our society we know that it's um there are disparities in terms of your you know where people come from your background about uh the life chances that you might have you you only have to look at certain professions for example and see the tiny number of of, um, students of of people who are are represented from certain backgrounds to know that at the moment we haven't necessarily got a fair and equal society so social mobility is very much about understanding the the causes of those disparities and uh, working on solutions to help create a more fair and just and equal society so a small ambition really (laughs) well thank you Nicola for your
0: time today it's been really interesting hearing about all the work that you're doing to um, enable more people to access and succeed at the University of Exeter Uh,
1: you're very welcome thank you very much indeed
0: Harry, thank you so much for your time. We wish you all the best for the uh, the rest of your studies. And it's been a real pleasure talking to you today.
2: It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on.
0: Thank you to Nicola Sinclair and Harry Hayes for their insight into the university's widening participation programmes. You can find out more on our website. for listening to Explore, the regular podcast from the student communications team. You can find more podcasts reflecting life at the University of Exeter by searching for Explore on your preferred podcast provider. You'll also be able to follow or subscribe for future episodes.